0: Has celebrity pastor culture gone too far? Are pastors making too much money? Or are they being too flashy with their clothing and their sneakers? Is it not any of our business? How are we to think about this? And what effect do celebrity pastors have on you and me? Most likely not celebrity pastors, just trying to be faithful to our calling. What do we think about this? What's the right way to deal with these kinds of questions when they come up? And why does this matter to us? Well, in this episode, episode 28 of the Preaching Donkey Podcast, we're going to dig into all of that by looking at the Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers. The guy who started that just did an interview with the Christian Post, and we're going to look at that interview, and I think we're going to get some insights that are going to matter to all of us, no matter where we are. On uh, Some of us are going to know a lot about sneakers and apparel, and some of us aren't. But the question of how much should a pastor make, what kind of lifestyle should they have, how much of, you know, kind of the world's goods should a pastor have or not have, what is what is too much, and the frustrations that you're going to feel on both sides if you're in ministry are very real. So I want to dig into all of that in this episode. It's just me. I don't have anybody to interview today because I just wanted to have a conversation with you about this issue and see if we can get something started here in terms of just thinking about and dealing with these issues in our own lives. My name is Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Like I said, welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, it's so great to have you. Be sure to let me know in the comments what you think about this episode today and particularly what you think about preachers and sneakers and what they're doing over there. Be sure to like this channel, subscribe to it. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, anywhere, awesome to have you listening. Thank you so much. And be sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. If it's not five-star, don't worry about it. Don't bother. But for real, when you leave a review, it helps people find the show and it helps more people. More- pastors and more preachers get access to what we're doing here and the helpful resources that we're making every single week. Most of the time at Preaching Donkey, we're talking about tactics and strategies connected to preaching, sermon prep, sermon delivery, church leadership, things like that. So I want to give you a gift that is along those lines, and is my it is my uh, 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. You can pick that up at preachingdonkey.com. Slash 21 Days. It's a three week, three step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a message that captivates and inspires your listeners toward life change. It's a very good kind of primer to help you uh, maybe think about preaching differently and sermon prep differently if you've been preaching for a while. It's always good to have a different perspective. Or if you're brand new to preaching, it's a great way to get started with your preaching journey. So again, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. So let's dig in. The Christian Post article that we're gonna look at today says Preachers in Sneakers creator says American churchgoers have demanded celebrity pastor culture. It's an interesting title that American churchgoers uh, and the consumerism of American churchgoers have demanded, it's like we asked for this. You know, we wanted it. We we said give us celebrities in every area, athletics, music, Film and church, right? It's like we need a celebrity to look at. That's kind of his idea. They say, Preachers and Sneakers founder Ben Kirby never conceived that a casual social media post about celebrity pastors' high-priced sneakers would become a global phenomenon. Kirby, who was no internet sensation at the time, initially took to Instagram to document the expensive footwear worn by some of the celebrity pastors he followed. Listing the brands and the cost of each pair soon after... His Instagram following blew up and put the world of celebrity pastors under a new microscope. The celebrity pastor craze, Kirby said, began because church attendees required a level of celebrity and entertainment from their shepherds. That is an interesting thing for us to consider as pastors and preachers that he says church attendees... In these churches, and maybe this is what you've experienced as well, required a level of celebrity, right? So, if you think about it, the word "celebrity" is it comes. It's the it comes from the same word "celebrate," right? The, the people that are celebrities are the celebrated ones in our culture. celebrating someone and worshiping someone is very closely connected, right? So it's this kind of, we're celebrating them, they're celebrities, and in some kind of weird way, it's a form of worship. We're finding a sense of joy and identity just in who they are. And entertainment, right? We wanna be entertained in our churches. After gaining over 144,000 followers on Instagram in just a week, that is huge. If you've ever tried to grow on social media, you'll know that 144,000 people in a week on Instagram is amazing. And I remember when he got on there and it was just everywhere. Preachers and sneakers, preachers and sneakers, everybody was talking about it. And it really went, it really took off and it's, it's kind of cool that he's sticking with it. Kirby knew he had struck a nerve by highlighting the latest designer footwear and clothing trends worn by mega church pastors, mega, tr- mega pastors and church leaders around the globe. Kirby has since written a book titled preachers and sneakers Authent- authenticity in an age of for-profit faith and wannabe celebrities. I love that title. I think that's such a cool title. Preachers and Sneakers Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities That's a Thomas Nelson book, which gives readers a chance to take a sober look at whether they have bought into the celebrity culture of Christianity. It's interesting. I would love to have Ben Kirby on the show in in a future episode, maybe to talk about that book and Preachers and Sneakers in general. So if this ever gets to Ben, I'd love to have you on. Just reach out to me. I plan on reaching out to you soon. He said, I was literally on my couch using my phone. That's about all the effort I put into it. And it blew up into this global conversation over the years, Kirby told the Christian Post in a recent interview. He thought his account would garner some comments and laughs, but never thought preachers and sneakers would become a hub of conversation about how parishioners view capitalism, consumerism, and celebrity in the church. Kirby maintained that he never set out to judge others. That was not his intent. There are plenty of people in the comment section that judge all the time, he said. I still hold strong that I was never judging. I had questions and I had some critique about how you can present the gospel better, but I'm resolute in the fact that I wasn't saying you should never wear $1,200 shoes, that's evil. I'm nobody to say who can and who can't do what on stage, but I'm also very much allowed to ask questions about public figures and public facts. So this is a really good distinction, and I'm glad he said this, because when Preachers and Sneakers started Everybody just assumed that the intent was to do nothing other than to point fingers and offer condemnation and say, this is wrong. It's wrong no matter what. And he's saying, hey, I'm not judging necessarily. I'm just allowed to ask questions about public figures and public facts. So pastors are public figures and this is something we have to realize is that when you get on stage with a microphone in your hand and you talk to a crowd of people that's your i mean with publicly accessible services that most of the time are going to be cast to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and wherever else you're a public figure which means that you are open to scrutiny people can write articles about you people can uh, do pieces on you and it's very difficult as a public figure to take those down because you're a public figure. If there's celebrities and celebrity pastors finding themselves saying, oh, it's just a bunch of haters, well, sometimes it's wise to take a step back and see if there's any validity to the criticisms that keep coming up, Kirby noted. This is something also that I find interesting, that instead of owning up to the critique and just saying, yeah, I'm wearing a $1,200 pair of Nikes They're saying, oh, it's just a bunch of haters. And what happens is, is they have this church filled with people who are going to basically follow them wherever they go. Like they are a small G God to these people. So if they say that guy's a hater and he's being mean, then these people are just going to follow in most cases. Preachers and Sneakers has also received media attention from secular corporate media outlets such as the New York Times and BuzzFeed. He even heard from, quote, a bunch, unquote, of pastors He says, some were nice, some were understanding, others were incredibly mean and didn't want to talk, they just wanted to yell, some were kind of passive aggressive, he said, without naming anyone in particular. So I know of some pastors that he's mentioned that have reached out to him, I think Carl Lentz was one that reached out, heard him out, uh, heard what he had to say, and was, was actually pretty kind to him when he called, that was before Carl Lentz took Took the dive that he took. Kirby, a former DJ turned author and podcaster, said he's faced a whole gamut with ministers reacting to a social media post. However, he understands their reaction because overnight people started to message these preachers with their criticism. So he goes on, starts Preachers and Sneakers. You got Stephen Furtick, you've got uh, other other people. Let, let's let's actually take a look. If you're listening, you won't be able to, to see this. I'm sharing the screen here, but I want to take a look at his Instagram account for those of you who are watching on YouTube, but I'll describe it pretty well for those listening. So Preachers and Sneakers has 266,000 followers. There are 279 posts. And so basically his MO is to have a pastor of some sort either preaching or doing something, and then he'll do a close-up on the shoes or one of the garments that he's wearing, and then he will give uh, just a listing of how to buy, like, the the sale of the shoes. So, like, this person is wearing, this is Rich Wilkerson Jr., and he's wearing a $398 pair of Yeezys, Um, you know, and then let's look for another one here. There is, okay, so here's Stephen Furtick. He's got a $795 pair of Christian I don't even know the last name of that, but at Neiman Marcus, those sneakers are $795. Let's find a couple more. So here's uh, one from a video I did recently uh, talking about this illustration that uh, Mike Todd did, but here's a $1,090 pair of Triple S Clear Soul sneakers. And then here is Stephen Furtick once again with a $1,095 pair of St. Laurent, Something or another, uh, boots or whatever. So anyway, basically that's what it is. He just kind of finds these people preaching. Here's what I find to be very interesting. He's had some pretty big celebrities that have bought his gear, the preachers and sneakers. I tell you, who's making some money is Ben Kirby. He's being very smart about. Okay, real quick, I'm, I want to mention this. So this is uh, Troy Gramlin. This is a this is a hoodie that costs twelve hundred and forty bucks. So those are the kind of things that he does. But like I was saying, Ben's making a lot of money. The book with Thomas Nelson, I'm sure, is selling a lot. But a lot of people are buying the hoodies and gear, and he's getting some major celebrities that are jumping on board. Uh, the guy from Community, I can't remember his name, but pretty big star from the show Community, had uh, this guy, He's he was on the podcast. This guy from, uh, from Pitch Perfect, he's wearing the hoodie. I mean, so... Uh, kudos to him. Like that's cool that he's being able to, to not just have a big Instagram account, but he's, you know, drawing some attention and, I know that, you know, I just know how this stuff works. He's personally profiting from it. Nothing wrong with that. We're going to get into that here in just a second. But he says, this touched a nerve for a lot of people. I think they weren't prepared. Both the recipients and the givers weren't prepared to participate on social media. He explained, for whatever reason, my showing the world that certain sneakers were worth $1,000 made everyone lose their mind and it forced people to contend with, how do I feel about this guy wearing $1,500 sneakers? That's interesting. So these people sitting in church, you can imagine, you go to a celebrity pastor church, okay, the guy's larger than life. Maybe you're at the campus that he's at. Maybe you're not. But, but he's awesome. He speaks well. He speaks eloquently. He's written a lot of books. He speaks at a lot of places and you are proud of your pastor. <clears throat> and you're proud to give A lot of money every single week because that's what you do. There's a high culture of giving at a lot of these churches. And then you find out the shoes that he's wearing cost as much as the car that you're driving, right? It can be a little bit disheartening to the average person who is just sitting in the in the seat, being inspired every week for them to contend with that. Now, whether it's okay for that pastor to wear $1,500 speakers, we're gonna get to that, sneakers, we're gonna get to that here in just a second, but I'm just trying to get into the mind of where these people were coming from. They go to this celebrity pastor's account, the, the, the preachers and sneakers thing, and they go, oh my gosh, this guy's wearing a $1,500 pair of shoes and a $1,200 hoodie, this is nuts. His outfit cost as much as my car. For some, it made, uh, it made people mean. For some, it made them question. And others, it made them feel happy for these guys and girls that they're so blessed it ran the full range. So you also have, he says, on the other side, people who love their pastor and say, hey, you know what? if they're doing really well and they can afford a $40,000 outfit, then gosh, I'm so glad that they are so blessed. Preachers and Sneakers explores the various sides of the debate on the fame that comes with being a spiritual leader. When asked if American Christianity plays a role in the celebrity culture seen in some churches, Kirby said it exists more so in Western <clears throat> Christianity, a big part of it is that people are attending church are demanding this kind of treatment or entertainment or setting, he, he maintained. It makes sense since we're so obsessed with celebrities in general and our image and comfort and entertainment that it would trickle down into the way a lot of us conduct our faith. And I think... That is a huge, insightful point, that this is not unique to church, right? It's not like we had no celebrities in the culture and all of a sudden we have all these celebrities in the church. No, we have all these celebrities in the culture and eventually this began to be something that happened in our church and we have people that have been conditioned to want to shower their affection and attention and adoration and be kind of team whatever, right? I'm, I'm on team whatever pastor, I go to team whatever pastor's church and, <clears throat> and this results in a lot of celebrity culture. I do think he says that it's time to take a step back and look at the overall macro look at the church and say, hey, are we spending too much time and effort and money on things that don't matter? Are we elevating people to a point where they're always going to disappoint us or always going to let us down. Hopefully we can refocus on what matters and that's following Jesus, he continued. Okay, so this is the point that I've made so many times when I've covered these issues with celebrity pastors and that is this question. Are we elevating people to a point where they're always going to disappoint us or always let us down? This always happens and this is why. Even if you're not a celebrity pastor, Even if you're watching this going or listening to this saying, this doesn't apply to me because I can't afford a $1,500 pair of sneakers and I don't have a massive church and I'm not a celebrity. Here's the point. Every pastor runs the risk of being elevated to the point where you're just going to disappoint. This is why I have always, all throughout my ministry, anytime I felt like we were gaining a culture in our church where the pastors were put on a pedestal and we were seen as more spiritual or more godly or more whatever, I would always be quick to say, tear that pedestal down because I am not your savior. I did not go to a cross for you. I did not die for you. I did not rise again for you. I am just a spokesperson for the one who did. So if if your faith is in me, I'm not your savior, I'm gonna let you down, and you're gonna be very disappointed, right? And if and if I've done anything to cause that, let me repent of that and point you to the one who did die for you and who is your savior. The problem with celebrity pastor culture is that people miss the savior for the person who's standing in front of them. And I'm not saying that just, because he gets into this here in a second, where some people are just really talented, They're excellent communicators. They can't help but attract a massive crowd and that's okay. But you just have to work harder to make sure that the focus isn't on you and the attention isn't on your skill. And this is why when we talk at Preaching Donkey about gaining more skill and working on best practices and tactics and strategies to communicate better what we're after is life change we're not after eloquence like paul said we're not after eloquence and uh, speaking that is just so smooth that's like butter that's great and that's nice and we want to eliminate distractions but all of it is aimed at life change because we want the word of God to shine through. We want the Holy Spirit to be able to work on people's lives. And we want people to be able to move towards next steps. But when the focus is on you, and by the way, this can happen even in a small church, even with an obscure pastor. Because to those people, you are their pastor. To those people, you can be placed on a pedestal. To those people, you might be a somewhat of a celebrity in their mind or in your town and so it's easy to point to these people and say, yeah, they're the ones that's wrong, but it's all relative. And we have to remember that if we are being placed on the pedestal, we have to tear that down as quickly as we can. He says, I'm not saying corona was ever good. Hey, actually, let me back up. Kirby said the COVID-19 pandemic really put things into perspective for a lot of people who realized that even the stars <clears throat> in our society had, uh, not even the stars in our society had the answer or the cure. I'm not saying corona was ever good, I'm hoping God. I'm hoping that God has given us a wake up call to say, "Look, you can't depend on anybody other than the guy that created everything." He insisted, "I'm not an idiot." I'm. I'm I. He says, "I'm an idiot. I'm a perfect. I'm an imperfect dude." But I just want to point people to maybe reconsider what they value and audit their own lives online and personal image. And so he's. I think he's calling on church people but also pastors to say, what do you value and what is your faith in? Is it in the guy holding the Bible on the stage or is it in God who created everything? Kirby said sneakers are such an influential marker in society because of the many elements to sneakers that make it cool and interesting. He became a fan of sneakers himself years back when he started flipping, buying and selling them from his phone as a side hustle. It's such a cool element of culture and all the collaborations make it even cooler. The intersection of music and athletics and all those things have a secret element to them that makes it fun for a lot of different types of people, he added. Kirby warned that pastors and preachers should be careful not to immerse themselves in pop culture. I think in a vacuum, he says, it's not bad for a pastor to be notable. I think it's a natural outcome of people being more talented or more gifted than others. I mentioned this before, right? Some people can't help that they attract a large crowd. Not every preacher or pastor is going to equally have the same platform and equally the same following because some are just going to be objectively better sounding or better performing or have better insight into the world than others. But I do think, very quickly, it can make it more about the guy or the girl than it is about pointing people to God. And when that happens, that's an issue. That's idol worship, he stressed. And I just wanna also stress that you don't have to have a large church and be a celebrity for it to be more about you than it is about pointing people to God, right? I've seen this so many times when when people and and part of it is because we see these celebrities <clears throat> we see what they're doing we see the way they're treated the way they're treated like gods and we think i want to train my church to treat me like that right um and that's only natural right we have to fight against that we have to look we have we have to look at this and say do i really want the pressure of these people placing their faith in me no no, I don't. I I am a terrible person for anyone to pay, place their faith in, and so are you because you are not the savior and neither am I. That's putting these guys and girls in a lose-lose position, he says, because now they have to fight against people thinking they are awesome, and also they, they have to now fight not to ruin this massive platform that they developed by a moral failure or saying something on the internet. It just puts the ministry at a much higher risk when you're saying, hey, this guy is the best communicator of our generation. I have been guilty of saying that. I have been guilty of thinking that. There are pastors that have influenced me. And this is me talking now, I'm not quoting. I have been so guilty of looking at pastors and saying, man, this guy is just so good he's probably the best communicator alive today and honestly that is a lot of pressure to put on someone that's a lot of of, of emphasis on a human being's gift and instead of putting the emphasis on the Holy Spirit's work and God's work in their lives. So I think what he's saying is exactly right, right? We're putting them in a lose-lose position because now they have to fight against people thinking they're awesome, and also they have to now fight not to ruin this massive platform that they developed by a moral failure or saying something on the internet. Now, Well, now when he does, he says this guy's the best communicator of our generation. Well, now when he does inevitably screw up in some way that has a devastating effect on his or her ministry... And the overall outlook on Christianity, it allows other people to point to why they hate Christianity because it's another dude that's sleeping around or that's embezzling funds. The passionate Christ follower described those deeds as being a bad witness to the world. He says, even for me, I've got a big platform and I'm writing a book. I have to fight against making much to do about myself too. He admitted, I don't want publicity. I really don't think that I'm special or anything, but also it naturally feels good for people to be like, oh, you're so funny. I like how you write these things on Instagram. He is funny. I do like his Instagram posts. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why he blew up so fast is because it was lighthearted. It was fun. It wasn't like, look at these evil pastors wearing their terrible shoes. It was kind of poking fun at them. And I think it kind of a little bit of, um, maybe a form of speaking truth to power, a little bit of uh, satire, which kind of, takes the air out of the sails of, of, of certain people. So I think that connects with people. It's like you have these big, powerful, larger than life, really wealthy pastors. And he's saying, hey, look at the shoes they're wearing and people appreciate that. But also, if I'm not careful, he says, it very quickly can become an idol, building up my ego, which none of us are that special. We're all fallen sinner. So he's got a good, you know, grip on who he is. The celebrity culture, he says, I think a lot of it is caused by us, the followers, or the people that are attending these places, he stressed. Because if it weren't, these guys and girls wouldn't be celebrities, but since they are, I think it behooves them to really fight against making much of themselves and trying to make more of Jesus. Pop star Justin Bieber also recently weighed in on celebrity pastor culture and criticized those who use their Christian platforms to boost their own fame. The young star stressed that every human being, regardless of their social status, has the same access to God. Bieber made these comments in a recent issue of GQ magazine after he distanced himself from former Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz following the controversies that came after the popular preacher was fired over leadership issues and moral failures, including infidelity. I have a lot of videos on the channel about the Carl Lentz story if you want to look into that. Bieber told GQ that he's seen so many pastors put themselves on this pedestal and it's basically church can be surrounded around the man, the pastor, the guy, and it's like this guy has the ultimate relationship with God that we all want but can't get because we're not this guy, but that's not the reality though. Kirby celebrated Bieber's stance saying the megastar is making the entire celebrity pastor discussion more in the mainstream. Even Bieber, he says, who basically made these guys famous is now saying, hey, this probably is an issue to make people famous. It's ironic that the most famous person in the world is commenting on fame, Kirby said, but also hopefully if Bieber fans see him saying, hey, this seems like an issue to make celebrities out of pastors, I hope something good comes from him saying that. I'm not sure how much more God's going to put in your face to say, look, this celebrity thing is not working. If Jesus walked the earth today, he goes on to talk about the type of shoes that Jesus would wear. You can read the article in its entirety. I'll link it in the show notes and in the description here if you're watching on YouTube. There's a few things I want to mention. One is that, again, I, I stress this all the time because I feel like it's so important. You have the same propensity as any other person to want to become a celebrity, and so do I, right? So we have to fight that even if it's relative because all of it's relative. In the same way that if you're looking at $1,500 shoes and saying, I would never wear $1,500 shoes because I don't even know where I would buy them and I wouldn't waste that kind of money, you have to realize that no matter what your lifestyle, there's always gonna be somebody who has less than you thinking that you are Living in an extreme way, right? And this is the this is the 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 struggle that I have always had in ministry, because I grew up relatively poor. We didn't have much money. We weren't destitute. I never missed a meal, but we did struggle. I mean, finances were an issue all growing up, and so I just we just went without a lot of stuff, and uh, you know there was stress about whether we were going to keep the lights on, keep the mortgage paid. And God got us through it, but we just went without a lot of things. And so when I went into ministry, I have always been very frugal with my money. We did the whole Dave Ramsey thing when we first got married. We got out of debt. We saved our emergency fund. We did all those things. And I remember at one point in my ministry, this was probably at this point, maybe 10 years ago, had a actually it was less than ten years ago because we had kids it was maybe five years ago but had some kids and we were struggling not making a ton of money um, just grinding it out at the church and I had preaching donkey I had my website and back in those days I didn't have the courses didn't have the YouTube channel just had a blog just a simple blog and a podcast. And I had monetized my blog. What that means is that I just had display ads on my blog. You can easily set that up through Google so that when somebody lands on the blog, they they see an ad about something, and if they click on it, I'd make a little money. And I remember somebody that was at my church who was actually you know, somewhat of a friend of mine. We were in the same kind of community group, small group. And he made a comment about my Preaching Donkey website, and he said, kind of a negative comment about me monetizing it. Like, of course, I shouldn't do that. Like, that was wrong. Like, why would I uh, want to, in any way, make money off of this little blog? And what was funny back in those days is the amount of money it took to actually host the website, have the domain name, host the website through a self-hosted platform that I was using called Bluehost, have it on WordPress, manage all that, put out the podcast. I was losing money <laughs> on this project. I mean, it was a labor of love in those days. It still is, but I'm not losing money on it now. Thank think the good Lord, right? But in those days, a few ads on a website that made me about 15 bucks a month uh, was not making me any money, so to speak. But I was hustling, right? I was trying to do everything I could to... Uh, figure out ways to support my family, to make up for having somewhat of a lower income at the church that I was at. I was willing to work, working full time, working really hard, but you know, the church just didn't have the funds to, to raise my salary in, in the same pace of what I was doing with, the positions I was having at the church and what I was doing, how fast my family was growing. So all these stresses were kind of coming around and I was trying to do anything I could to make some money wherever else I could and to have someone kind of throw stones at that and say, oh, you shouldn't do that. I mean, it came across to me like, well, because you're a pastor, you just need to struggle, right? So that's the other side of this. And that offended me. Honestly, I was mad about it because... I felt like if I had said, "Hey guys, um, I'm really struggling right now, so I'm delivering pizzas at night to you know try to make ends meet." So I'm you know I'm working all day at the church, going home, having dinner really quick, hugging my kids, and I'm doing a night shift at Pizza Hut delivering pizzas. And so that's what I'm doing. It would be like, "Hey, good job, man! Way to go! Way to way to support your family. Way to be there for them." It, it would it would just be, "Hey, that's awesome!" You know, and I would work myself to the bone, and that would be noble. But me trying to do it in a somewhat more passive way, somewhat more creative way to do it online, well, that's not okay, right? Because there's a limit to what you can make, and there's a limit to the kind of lifestyle you can have. And if you want to have what we have, well, you shouldn't have that. And by the way, none of these people were destitute. This was a very wealthy area. It's part of the reason why we struggle is because the cost of living was so high in that area, in the D.C. area, that it made it difficult for you to live on a pastor salary with a family. It was just tough, Right. So that bothered me. And I think in some ways, most pastors are not celebrities. Most pastors don't wear $1,500 sneakers, but they do deal with the pressure of, well, I don't know if you should buy a new car. Should you buy a new car? I don't know if you should have a house that big. Should your house be that big? I don't know if you should go on that vacation. I mean, should you go to an all-inclusive resort? Is that really the best way to spend God's money? And and this is a pressure that a lot of pastors can feel, where we feel like we already live in a fishbowl, right? There's already all this pressure on our family, on our spouses, on our kids. And so if we do anything that's just a little bit kind of uh, like letting us enjoy the blessing of, of people maybe being generous towards us, or maybe we saved up and we took a vacation, or maybe we're tired of driving an old worn out car so we bought something more reliable and more safe, only to have people, some people, not everybody, but some people point at that and say, how dare you? You shouldn't live that way. So there is a balance, and if you're not a pastor, it's so easy to look at the lifestyle of pastors and just carte blanche say, well, they shouldn't, right? No pastor should ever drive a XYZ vehicle. And this is something that I find to be very interesting. If you drove a Honda Accord, no one's gonna say a word about it. But if you drove a, this is a better example. If you drove a Toyota Camry, no one would say a word. You're like, okay, cool, it's a Toyota Camry, it's a nice little family sedan, whatever. But if you drove a Lexus ES 460, which is basically, you know, Lexus IS 350, let's say, is basically the Camry, right? Lexus is owned by Toyota, it's Toyota's luxury brand, so the Lexus IS 350 is basically the Camry, but cooler, right, a little bit more expensive. So it's the same exact car with different badging and a little bit more features, and it would be, well, that's excessive, right? because it's $10,000 more expensive and it has the L on it instead of the little Toyota thing. And so that's not okay because a pastor should drive a general car and not a luxury car. And these are the kind of things that kinda get silly when you think about it that way because as a pastor, there's a lot of stresses on your life, right? There's a lot of times where you have to drop everything you're doing and run to the hospital. You have to cancel plans that you had because somebody needs you in that exact moment. You have to come home early from vacation to perform somebody's funeral. You have to be there for people at their worst times. You have to manage the stress of... A pandemic, and and figure out are we going to meet in person, and everybody everybody's mad at us, or we're going to meet virtually, and the other half of the people are mad at us. All of these things are on you, and at the same time, you better not have a big lifestyle because then it's going to be uh, it's going to be bad for you. And we get to be the judge of whether your lifestyle is where it's supposed to be or where it's not. So it's easy when it's extreme examples, right? $1,500 sneakers. But there are people looking at you wearing your $40 Nikes that you got at TJ Maxx, and they're saying, well, he's wearing Nikes. No matter who knows how much he paid for that, right? There's people looking at you maybe because you own land that was donated to you or you inherited it from your family, and they're saying, well, he's got 50 acres out and whatever. Who knows how much that cost, right? So there are people that are judging you. There are people that are judging me for things that if we had time to explain, we would say, hey, listen, uh, there's a story to this, right? This was given to me, or this was, you know, relative to what I make, or, you know, I have wealth from something else. So these are all things that I think we need to take into account and have grace for ourselves and for each other. And as pastors, we have to understand that we have to live in this tension between living above reproach, right? Paul laid out the requirements of being a pastor, and it's basically that the pastor is above reproach, and then here's all the ways why, and he gives specifics. So there's a tension there that we have to be above reproach, but also... We live in a culture that has a certain standard of living and it's okay to be at or maybe even slightly above that standard of giving because there's all kinds of variables, right? Maybe you have income streams coming in because you've invested well or maybe you do real estate on the side or maybe you're bivocational and you do really well in your other income and you just happen to work for the church as well and people have no idea how generous you are people have no idea how much you give people have no idea the amount of sacrifice that you actually make but maybe you make to a certain level where you're able to drive the lexus is 350 instead of the toyota camry and it's really not that big of a deal to you these are all realities that we live with as pastors all of it affects our ability to lead All of it affects our ability to communicate. All of it affects how we sleep at night. All of it affects everything. So it's just a really tough position to be in. But I think the more we can fight, the tendency to want to be celebrity, and the more we can just live with a clean conscience that at least we know before God and the people who know us best that we are doing the right thing. We're being generous. We're not asking anybody in our church to do something we're not doing. So if we're asking people in our church to give generously, but we're not, that's a no-no, right? If we're asking people in our church to sacrifice, but we're not willing to, that doesn't work either. But if all of these things are in place, then we just have to move forward with confidence and say, listen, I am living out my calling in this world. I'm being faithful to my family, faithful to God, and I'm letting the chips fall where they might. People are gonna judge. Some people are gonna think we're not driving a nice enough car. They're gonna, some people, if if you live below the standard of living in your community, there's gonna be people who are gonna say, I can't relate to this guy, I can't relate to this girl because they don't live up to the standard that I live up to there's going to be other people who say, "Wow, he's got this, he's got that. I can't I don't I don't relate to him. He's too he's too rich for my for my blood." These are all critiques that we're going to have and we have to live in that tension. So I'm praying for wisdom, right? Praying for wisdom for myself. I'm praying for wisdom for you as you lead your church, as you preach, as, as you uh, live out in the community and people are going to make judgments and decisions and characterizations of you, I'm praying for wisdom for you. I'm praying for grace from your people. And I'm praying that even in the midst of all of this tension, that somehow you can rise above. Somehow you can just say, you know what? I, God has called me. It's kind of like when Nehemiah was building the wall And they said, hey, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And he says, no, I'm doing great work and I cannot come down. I might get criticized. I might get maligned. There might be people who misunderstand me, which I, for one, cannot stand. I hate when people misunderstand me. I want to be understood. But sometimes I have to let that go. And maybe that's where you are in all of this. I'm not sure where this hits you. But maybe for you, the best thing you can do is to have a clean conscience, live with integrity, and let the criticisms fall. Let them go where they might. That's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for joining. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. My name is Lane Sebring. Thanks so much for being here. See you next week. Got some great shows coming up for you. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you, and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.